Praise God. You may be seated. We want to get right into our study this morning again. Amen. We're talking from the epistle of John, and amen, as always, praise God. This is is exciting study, I believe, and, and God is trying to lead us and guide us and direct us and bring us, I believe, into some understanding of things so that we can grow, so that we can mature and move on into perfection the way God wants us to. Amen. And so we are been in John and we remember the four reasons, as I always like to remind us that God, John says he wrote these epistles for us was to add to our joy. Amen. We want to have joy flowing over in us. Amen. We want to have joy unspeakable, the song says, and full of glory so that the half has not been told. We we want to be able to handle things that comes into our lives. And, you know, sometimes we can get bogged down with some of the things that we may face or some of the things we may go through in our lives, even some of the suffering we may have to, to face. Amen. But we have to get to the point that we look at suffering and things we may suffer through and how does it apply to our lives and how do we apply it and what do I need to do to be able you know, to keep going in my trials or my circumstances and things that comes into my life. And one of the ways I do that is I've got to have joy. And that's why the word of God is given to us to and add to our joy. Amen. So that we don't lose our joy. Amen. The joy of the Lord is always our strength, the scripture tells us. And so the things that was written for is written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture will have hope. Amen. God didn't tell us he's going to give us a rose garden. He says, you shall have tribulations. <laughs> Amen. So I, so I know that. That So now it's up to me to realize the things that I go through. How do I apply it? How do I, you know, suck the good stuff out of the bad stuff and apply it to my life so I can keep moving forward? And then John tells us that he wrote this gospel to guard us against sin. Amen. The enemy is going to come against us. He's going to, you know, this is war. The enemy is going to try to take you out. If he can't take the whole bunch out, he's going to try to take you out one by one. And so this is why we have to be excuse me, aware of that. And so the word of God is our defense. Amen. And so, therefore, we want to know the word of God. We want our lords girded about with truth. We want on the breastplate of righteousness. We want our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. We want the shield of faith to be active all the time. We want our minds to be uh, salvation, our head is a helmet of hope. And we want the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We got to keep that thing sharp. Amen. You don't want to let your sword get dull. You know, you need to take out some enemies every now and then. Keep it, keep it sharp and keep it working. So he wants to guard us against that. Then the third reason, John says, is he wants to guard us against false prophets and false teachers. Because we, Jesus has already told us in his teachings that in the last days there would be false teachers and false prophets uh, that would come to try to seduce us and draw us away. So we have to be on guard for those kind of things. And then the fourth reason was to strengthen our faith. Amen. And to know that we have eternal life. Strengthen 
in our faith and know that we have eternal life. So you always want to remember that when you are studying God's word. Now, we've been in this holding pattern and it seems like every time I, I want to rush ahead and get through this because so, I always have on my agenda some places I want to get to, you know, and stuff. But God has us in this holding pattern again. And so we're, we're, we're here in Second John and John is saying here, uh, in, uh, Verse number nine, whosoever transgress and abide not in the doctrine of Christ have not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ have both the Father and the Son. Amen. So John is telling us if we stay in the gospel, if we stay in the doctrine of Christ, we'll realize that we have the Father and we have the Son. We will begin to understand the oneness of God. You will understand what Paul is saying when he says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received back up in the glory. You see, God wants us to know who he is in his fullness in his deity because everything flows from that amen and so we have to have this doctrine that has been taught so that we fully understand it amen and how it applies to our lives now remember paul writing to the church at, uh, through titus and second and titus chapter 2 verse 10 if you want to go there real quick titus 2 10 Paul is telling us that we need to what? Adorn, notice, the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. See, we've got to put it on. We've, we've got to put this doctrine on. See, we, we, we've got to live it. It's got to be part of you. You are chosen priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him, which has called you out of darkness, where? Unto the marvelous light. So what John is saying and what Peter is saying is, look, you've got to beautify the gospel. This is why holiness is so wonderful. This is why outward holiness is so beautiful in the life of the child of God because you want to present the gospel. It's, the gospel is beautiful. It's not ugly. See, when we do wrong, we're not wearing the gospel. We're not wearing the doctrine because if people cannot see Christ truly in us, we've taken it off. See, we're to put on it and never take it off. This doctrine has got to be adorned in your life. You've got to ask yourself, what can I do to make this doctrine beautiful? How can people see the beauty of Christ in me? My character must be revealed outwardly. The love of God has got to be revealed in my life. The greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You've, you've got to adorn it. Joy. You've got to keep your joy. You've got to keep it living in peace and walking in peace. 
Amen. You've got to do these things. You've got to have patience. You've got to have gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. These things has got to be beautified in your life. And the way you do that is you've got to know the doctrine. You've got to know how it applies. People don't quit church because it's boring. You know, I hear people say all the time, that is boring. No, church is never boring. How can Jesus be boring? You know, you're talking your whole life. You know, people quit church and it's because they don't know the doctrine and the application. That's why people quit church. That's why people skip and jump church. They don't know the doctrine. You've got to know this, and you've got to know how it applies to your life and how you've got to live it. Because once you know the doctrine, you're going to find out, I've got to be involved. I've got to do something with this. This is just not for me to set back. See, that's why when Jesus, after he had finished teaching his disciples, what did he tell them? Go you therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whichsoever I commanded you. See, when you get this, you've got to become a recruiter. You've got to be an example you know, that's why in the military, they will tell you, when you go home, don't you ever forget you're a soldier. You look your best. You be your best. Because everybody else is going to see you, and they're going to think about, man, I want to do that. And then they join and enlist and come in it as well. See, so we have to adorn this gospel. So as I said, people don't quit church and jump church because it's born. They do it because they don't know the doctrine. You have to remember, think about your own life. When you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, look how it changed you. You knew where you were. You knew what you were doing. At least I do. You know, and just like that, when I heard the truth of the gospel of my salvation, and I went down in those waters of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and when I came up, it was like something just popped me right between the eyes. Amen. And from that point, my life has never been the change same again. Because the gospel changed you. You have to weary this. You've got worry, excuse me, wear, W-A-R, wear this every day. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, You've got to put it on. You've got to live it. Amen. So that you are representing Christ in everything that you do. You know, that's just like on your secular job. If you don't know the doctrine of your secular job, and every every business has doctrine. They have doctrinal statements. They have things you're supposed to do. If you don't know the doctrine, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to want to quit. You're going to think everybody's getting over on you. You're going to think everybody's treating you wrong. But once you learn the doctrine of your job, you will see exactly what you're supposed to do, how it applies, 
and you won't have to have anybody telling you what you need to do. You will take the initiative to do it yourself, and you'll be so far ahead of everybody else that people will be asking you. And usually what I have found is your employer is going to want to put you in charge. Your employer is going to want to put you in a position because you've learned what you're supposed to do. And others is seeing that and they see that and they want you to move forward. Amen. Because you're the person that they really hired for the job. You know, if you apply for a job and you don't study, you know, what you're supposed to do, how do you expect to advance? See, it's the same way in the church. That's what Paul is saying in Hebrews 5 and 6. He says, the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which has become the principles of the oracles of God. No, we're supposed to move forward. We're supposed to know the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to say, if I say I'm a Christian, if I say I know him, then I am supposed to know the doctrine and the teaching. Amen. I, you know, that's what John is trying to tell us back here in First John. He says, if the spirit of him that dwell in you, if the anointing, verse 27 of verse chapter, First John chapter 2, amen, verse 27. But if the anointing which you have received in him abide in you, you need not that any man shall teach you. The same anointing will teach you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even if you have taught you that you should abide in him. See, so if I abide in Christ, amen, the Holy Ghost is going to lead me. Remember last week I said that doctrines directs you. It guides you. It brings you to more truth. Amen. Sometimes you just stop and study. And look and see what it leads you to more and more. It starts opening your understanding. When you start reading the Bible through, pretty soon you might think, man, this is boring. But then all of a sudden a scripture hits you and it lights up. And you go, whoa, that was pretty neat there. And the next thing you know, you want to keep going. And once you read it through again, you're again and again, it keeps bringing more understanding, more enlightenment, so that you understand how you should live and how you should apply it unto your life. Amen. So doctrine directs you to do what is required to survive, maintain the standard, and develop a strong combat fighting force. Amen. And that's what you're designed to do. You're a soldier in the Lord's army. So it teaches you how to survive. It teaches you how to maintain the standard. And it teaches you how to develop yourself to be a strong fighting force. You need to be able to defend your enemy. And you have the ability to do it with the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. You can defeat the enemy. You can defeat anything that comes against you with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If you know what's in this book, you will be able to defeat anything that comes against you. People can talk about you. It ain't going to phase you. 
People can say all matters of false evil against you. It's not going to phase you. Amen. Because why? You have on the armor of God. You are able to move forward. You are able to keep doing what God has asked you to do with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So we have to realize. Last week we saw Micah 6, 8. Micah says, he has showed you. Notice what Micah 6, 8 said. God has showed you what is required. And so what does God require of us? To be just, to do just, right? To be right, to live right, to serve right, to act right. You know, you've got to be right because you're serving a righteous God. And that's part of the teaching of the doctrine of Christ's righteousness. That's why Jesus is constantly, when you look at it, he's teaching us all how to do what is right. That's why James tells us, therefore to him to know to do good and don't do it is sin. Because God is righteous. See, it's not hard to do right once you know what you're doing and why you need to do it. Amen. So, what does he requires To walk justly. What's the next part? Put that scripture back up real quick, Mac. Amen. To love what? Mercy. Do you love mercy? It is of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed because his compassion fell not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God has spoken once, Psalm 62, 11 says. Twice have I heard this, that mercy belongeth to God. So if mercy belongs to God, do you love it? What is mercy? What is mercy? Hello? <laughs> Anybody? Help me, somebody. <laughs> against what? You against something you don't deserve. None of us deserve this. That's why the psalmist says, if you would judge iniquity, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you that you should be reverence or feared. We got to love mercy. You got to fall in love with this. Realize you didn't get what you should have got. So I'm going to love him because he's mercy. Amen. It's new every morning, the compassion of God. And notice, and to walk humbly with God. We've got to stay humble. Get pride out of your life. How many scriptures do we read that the Lord hate pride? Come on. Amen. What does Peter say? Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you in due time. See, we, we've got to walk humbly upon with the Lord. That's what God wants. He don't want pride in your life. That's why the book of Proverbs chapter 8 says, you know, the, the fear of the Lord is to hate what? Evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way do I hate. So if God hates these things, even Proverbs 6, 16, it starts out 
These six things the Lord hate, and seven is an abomination, a proud look. See, I've got to stay humble because this is the teachings of God's people. So we have to walk humbly. We've got to love mercy, and we've got to do what is right. That's God's Word. That's the teaching. That's what you've got to put on. That's what you've got to wear. Amen. Notice Paul writing to Timothy and 2 Timothy 3, chapter 14 through verse 14 through 17. Paul tells Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, and for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Amen. Notice, all the Scripture is there for a purpose. Amen. It's profitable. It's inspired, first of all, by God. This is why Peter says in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, but that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So they've written what God told them to write. They put it in book format so that you and I will be able to pick it up and understand the doctrine. Amen. That when you go in the military, you, they start handing you ARs and TMs and FMs, which is the doctrine. They don't stand up there and just preach it to you and teach it. They do, but they hand you the book. And they expect you to study the book and to read the book and to know the book. You know, I, I remember, you know, when I w- was on staff with, with General Colin Powell, I mean, every briefing, somebody get up there to brief and stuff, the first thing he would ask is, is that doctrine? I mean, every time they start briefing and tell him something, he says, is that doctrine? Yes, sir. You know, Okay. Because doctrine is truth. Doctrine will save you. Doctrine teaches you how to fight. Doctrine teaches you how to defend yourself. It teaches you how to protect yourself. That's why the Bible tells us in Psalm, I mean John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says what? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. And so if we get into this doctrine. That's why when the Sadducees wanted, you know, began to talk to Jesus, you know, about the greatest commandment. And then they said, well, Moses this and Moses that. Jesus says, well, if you would listen to Moses, you would love me. Because he spoke about me. Moses did not teach you this. Because the law, the doctrine was, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so when Jesus was hitting them, he says, if you was doing what Moses told you, you wouldn't be want to kill me. You would want to love me. See, because the doctrine has a total ring of love. 
So we have to make sure that we stay in the doctrine. Mark them, Paul says, which call offense contrary to the doctrine which you have received and avoid them. Amen. So we've got to adorn this doctrine. We've got to put this doctrine on so that we can wear it because it's going to direct us and lead us to more truth. Praise God. Philippians 3.17, Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us as an example. Now, we just heard a beautiful message last week where Brother DeMove talked about being followers of the follower, didn't we? Amen. So, what is he saying? Follow the doctrine. Do what the doctrine says, and you're going to be okay. You've got to be followers of Christ. Praise God. I don't know why Moses wrote that a woman should not wear that which pertained to a man, and a man wear that which pertained to a woman. Or that a woman should not lie with woman as mankind, and man should not lie with woman, mankind as womankind. I don't know why they wrote all that. But guess what? It's doctrine. It's the doctrine. And the Bible says all Scripture is expired by God. So we're required to teach it that way, aren't we? Amen. Because people have to hear the truth of God's Word. It's part of the doctrine and it's part of the church. And so, therefore, we can't keep kicking the pricks. Uh, as Paul told, uh, I meant the Lord told Paul, you can keep kicking it if you want to. All you're doing is hurting yourself. You've got to learn to do what the Word of God says. Amen. So, doctrine guides us because it's designed to bring us to more understanding of who we are, what we are, what we are, and what we should be, know, and do. See, doctrine will teach you when you need to apply it, where you need to apply it, and why you need to apply it. Amen. You have to have this understanding. Doctrine number two, as I said last week, it opens your understanding to how the doctrine works. It opens your understanding. You can be in darkness. That's what Paul says in Second Corinthians 4. If this gospel is hid, it's hid to them who is lost. And whom the gods of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should be revealed to them. He says, we're trouble on every side. But guess what? You've got something inside of you. Amen. You've got a treasure. So inside of the treasure chest is all kinds of tools that need to be learned how to use do you remember doing the, first, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War? You remember what General Powell says when he was briefing? We brought a lot of twos to the, the battlefield, and we expect to use every one of them. In your toolbox, in your temple, you've got a treasure chest. The Holy Ghost in you. You are filled with so much power, so much stuff, amen, that comes by the Spirit. And the doctrine will teach you how to use it and when to use it 
and where to use it and why you should use it. See, so inside of you, the Holy Ghost, people are not using the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible said. Well, use it. That's what he gave it to you for. He didn't just give it to you to, to, to have a well inside of you and not provide any water to yourself. Don't, wouldn't you think that would be pretty strange that you got a well and you sat at home and said, man, I am so thirsty. And you don't draw any water out of it or turn on the faucet. See, doctrine shows you how to pull it out, when to pull it out, when you need to use it. Amen. It opens your understanding. And John chapter 3, remember, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jew. The same came to Jesus by night. And he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. But no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. And Nicodemus probably whistling because it's night, see. And he snuck there. So he's not going to be just probably bursting out real loud where everybody can hear what he's saying. Well, somebody, you know, a little embarrassment. But I think Jesus says, ha. Very, verily, Nicodemus, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he the second time as to his mother's womb and be born? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blow where it listen, thou hear the sound of, but cannot tell where it's coming, where it's going. So to everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Jesus said, aren't you a master of Israel? You don't know these things? We speak that we know and we testify that which we've seen. But you won't believe our report. If I've told you earthly things, you believe not. How will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man of a sin up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so much the Son of Man be lifted up to believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about it. Notice he's opening his understanding. That's what doctrine does. He doesn't, he doesn't know. So doctrine, the teaching, will open your understanding. That's how it works. See, when you are unclear about a subject, if you're unclear about something, you get into the doctrine. Study it. It'll bring it out. It'll open it up to where you can understand what it means and where it's coming from. You know, that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 28, precepts upon precepts, line upon line, here a little and there a little. See, you, you've got to study it because it will come together. The, the scriptures is somewhat like a puzzle. You know, usually when you're putting a puzzle together, what's the first thing you do? You put the outline together first. See? Because those pieces are usually pretty square. You can see those. 
when you pick up the piece of puzzle, you can look at it and you go, yep, that goes down the outside. Yep, that's a corner piece right there. You know, well, think about it. He's the chief cornerstone. And all the building fit framely together and grow it up into a holy temple into the Lord. So if you get the cornerstone piece fixed, first and foremost, the rest of the stuff is going to come together. That's why I said you've got to get your Jesus where he's supposed to be in the puzzle. You've got to get Jesus out there first. You've got to learn everything you can about Jesus, who he is, and what he is. And how he applies, and then watch the other pieces come together because everything flows from that chief cornerstone. Amen. That's how it works. But some people want to try to put everything else together without Jesus. <laughs> you know, you, you ever heard the story of, of the guy who was trying to put the puzzle together, and then all of a sudden a little three-year-old girl comes in, and the guy got frustrated. He said, I can never put this thing together. Little girl came in and poof, just like that, put it together. God said, how did you do that? She said, well, I just flipped it over on the other side because the picture of Jesus is on the other side. <laughs> See, so when we get him in his rightful place, the rest of it's going to come together. It will start opening up to say, yep, that fits right there. And then all of a sudden, if you notice, your eyes open up. You start looking at the box. You start looking at the puzzle and the colors. And you go, yeah, that piece needs to be fits right over here. And you might put all these little pieces over here together to start with because they all look alike. And then you put those together and you get a bunch of pieces over here that looks like you put them together. And pretty soon... You see, it all starts fit together. Amen. And that's how it is in the church. Once we get Christ in his rightful place, it's got to come together. Because we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone in whom all the buildings fitly frame together and grow up and to a holy temple Unto the Lord. So it opens our understanding. Praise God. Amen. And we, we saw last week also that when the lawyer began to ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And then the Bible says in, in Luke 10 there that he wanted to justify himself. And Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan. Notice, remember, First, he wanted to know what is the greatest commandments. And Jesus said, well, how do you read the Scripture? And he told Jesus what the Scripture said. And Jesus said, right. He says, now go do likewise. You know, and then the guy said, well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus said, okay, let me tell you another story. So then he tells him the story about the good Samaritan. And at the end, what did he ask him? Who's his neighbor? And the guy says, well, I guess suppose the guy that did good. He says, right, go do likewise. See, it opens your understanding. See, I guarantee you, I would not be surprised that lawyer didn't change, you know, after that. 
Because a lot of those Sadducees and Pharisees, you know, they, they turned around, you know, when, once they start hearing and seeing what Jesus, and they got an understanding of what God was talking about and why he was bringing to see. So we have to be moved with compassion as well. And so he wants to open our understanding. Do you remember one of the favorite scriptures we quoted in the church is Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came out of the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he turned to his disciples and said, what? Who did they say I, the son of man, am? You know, and they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist or maybe Elijah or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? See, and Peter had his understanding open. And because Peter had his understanding open, the rest of them got their understanding open. See, when you can bring to the table, I don't know if you've ever been sitting in a classroom and, and studies and the teachers may ask the question, but you may be sitting on the other side of the room and you might not know what the answer that is asked. But then a person raised their hand and they explain it and give the answer. Then all of a sudden it's like your light bulb goes on. And you go, oh, okay, that's what that means. Now you've got to understand it. See, that's how it works. That's how doctrine works. See, when you start living God doctrine, you start wearing the doctrine, other people are going to look at you, they're going to see it, and this is what Peter is saying to you and I. Be ready to give an answer of every man that asks you of the hope that is in you with fear or reverence in God. That's what he's saying. Be ready. See, you've got to live it, because if you live it, people are going to ask you about it. You know, I, I hear people said, you know, a lot of times when my wife and I are about, sometimes, I mean, people will ask them all the time, you know, I know you don't wear this or you don't wear that. Why? They're asked her, you know, and it gives us an opportunity. And sometimes they will just say, I know in your religious belief you don't do this. She never told them that. It just says in your, I know, I can tell by your religious belief. But it still opened the door for you to be able to explain. See, who you are, what you believe, and why you love Christ the way that you do. Because it's very important. So it opens our understanding. Amen. And so I'm going to have to bring this ship into port this morning. Amen. But we, we, but we got to realize that we got to live this. You, you've got a purpose in your heart that I'm going to live the gospel. See, it doesn't do me any good to, to get baptized in Jesus' name and, and say I'm a Christian if I ain't going to live it. You want to have the joy of the Lord. See, Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. God didn't choose you for no reason. He brought you in so that you could reflect who he is. All of us, we all got past lives. You know, we just got to learn how to live this doctrine so that we do not, amen, make it ugly. Too many Christians today are making it ugly 
you know, their actions, their conduct does not reflect. And that's why we hear people say, I thought you was a Christian. Man, I can't believe you Christians are acting like that. Man, can you believe it? But see, that's why I say we, we have to understand who we are. And we got to make this thing beautiful so others will really want it. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're asking you, God, to continue to guide us and to continue to lead us according to your perfect will. Be with us this morning, oh God, I pray, and bless your people today. God bless all those that are under the sound of my voice. God, again today, Lord, let their hearts be melted like wax and strengthen them in every place, God, of their lives. If they're sick in body, Father, I pray for your wholeness to flow upon them. God, if they're discouraged today, I pray for encouragement to flow to them, Lord, again today. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace is upon you. And with your stripes, Father, we are healed and we claim it. And we claim everything that you said in your word that we could have this day in Jesus' name. Amen.